0: Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast. I'm your host Jack and today we'll be reviewing the 3-1 loss to West Ham on Sunday. Well, this is really one I don't want to talk about because I feel we'll all be biting our tongues through this whole podcast. A great game of promise after Pereira lashed home to open and then it turned to one of intense disappointment. The game was ruined by an extreme refereeing decision for a penalty for West Ham's equaliser and then two outrageous decisions, or rather non-decisions, that led to West Ham taking out a 3-1 victory. Here to try and make sense of it all with me are a stone-faced Elton and a furious Sam. How are we, guys? Welcome, family and friends. Largely annoyed. <laughs> Largely is putting it lightly, Sam. We saw all the messages he sends on Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, look, let's let's crack straight into it, guys. Yeah. Um, a couple of surprises. I think first up with the with the lineup and the changes made, um, there were four changes in total. Uh, we had Anthony Robinson returning, which I think we were all you know seriously happy about. Having looked at our issues uh, in the uh, on the wing back side of things, uh, and then a, a slightly strange one with Bobby Decker Reed starting at right back. Uh, Elton, w- what were you thinking when you saw that as the lineup?
1: Well, well, firstly, as you'll recall. I sent a text around to everyone because I was looking on the Premier League app, mm-hmm. and it actually showed uh, it showed Cabano at right back, mm-hmm. and um, I well I, I I believed what I saw, and of course uh, it was a joke. Um, I my my feeling is that s- sadly that Kenny wasn't available, uh, but I feel like when Bobby's actually put in a defence only role. It's probably better and easier for him. He's he's looking forward and he's got a specific role to do. He Okay, there might be an, an attacking. Uh, he might be part of an attacking phase from time to time, but it's actually much simpler for him.
0: And I think it actually worked very well. And, Sammy, obviously we had Mbaba on the bench who was fit and available to play. How does that play out with, you know, effectively a right winger or a left winger in Bobby Decker over overread? Being picked over a fit and Babu, I
2: don't care. I like, I like, I like BDR. There, I really like him. He's got like, he's got, he just gets how we play, and he's got that little, he he's got that little niggle about him, and like, he's good. I mean, I have, obviously, yeah, we have a fit right back, but then there you go with your best side, and yeah, I I really liked Bobby. I have no complaints with Bobby. I've got lots of complaints with everything else.
1: I tell you what, though, you're right, Jack. I mean, how, how does how does Zimbabwe take that? I mean, it's a pretty big shot across the bow of, um,
0: yeah, we'll rather have the left wing play right back than you. I tend to agree. I think it's a long way back for him to regain his spot. Obviously, you got Tete coming in in front of him anyway, but the fact that you play it right back and you're being usurped by a winger just shows that Silver obviously doesn't have confidence in him at the moment. And I, I've been Zimbabwe's biggest defender on this podcast at least. Because I, I do I have seen him play before and I do rate him. But I have to say Bobby did really well at right back. And I, I really liked watching him interact with Dan James when he started on the right, but then Niskins mm. when he came across on the right as well. They they seem to link up and understand each other really well, obviously, because they played a lot together. But I actually saw a lot of benefit from having Bobby at right back. And I think his marking is pretty poor. And we've seen that from corners. Uh, the Nottingham Forest game, both of the goals we conceded could easily be attributed to his poor marking. So I don't know if it's a forever decision at right-back, but I, Bobby's looking like a bit of a Swiss army knife at the moment. He fits into many, many positions in the team. Is is he Premier League level? I'd say he probably is just about as a bit of a utility player, but he's definitely showing his worth to to the side at the moment. Oh, he's
1: totally, I mean, given the the winger problems we've had, he's he's winning awards for me best clubman totally. you know, and, and 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 as you say he really he knows the system really well he knows the players really well he's he's very very spirited and up for it and i think he did a good job he doesn't he doesn't replace a, a fit kenny tete not in a million years but in the situation we found ourselves in at, at 9 p m western standard time great great job
2: I mean, it really underscores for me in 10 years time, like we can give Bobby all the shit in the world, but then we will look back on him as being a wonderful, wonderful servant in terms of just like, we can literally just put him everywhere and largely it's going to be all right.
1: If you say a little bit, if you say a little bit more, we can, you know, maybe share this with Bobby directly and maybe he'll start listening.
0: So, you know, we've talked about the defense. Let's move on to the midfield. We saw, uh, Harrison Reid starting, obviously, the return of Yaa as well, which everyone was excited about. And it's great to have him back on the side because, as you said sort of already, we we, we need people who understand the system that we play, and he really does understand his role. Um, we saw another start for Dan James. Uh, Pereira obviously starting that uh, role, sitting behind the striker. And then a start for Niskins, who I thought was really good off the bench last week. Um, were we happy to see Niskins coming to the side?
2: Yeah, I actually really liked what he did. I was, yeah, like for a weird game and for all the stuff around it, I really liked what Neskens was doing. I feel like he always kind of gives us that level of creativity, which is just very unique to him. And, yeah, he always brings it. I, lo- I, lo- I love my little Neskens. He's great.
1: Yeah, again, you know, we, we, I, th- I don't think there's there's enough praise that can be showered on on both Bobby Decadova Reed and Niskins Cabano for the for this first part of the season. Um I, I thought he was pretty good yesterday. You know, he he's he's Niskins Cabano. Uh he's he's not you know, I don't know, pick a name. But he, he he's I thought he was really good. Um I tell you what, I thought Polidia was a little scratchy last night. Um I have to say. He looked he looked like he'd been on holiday for a week, um, and he just looked a little bit uncomfortable on the ball. Actually, not in tackles, but actually on the ball in in, in possession. Um, his, his his passing was a, a bit ropey, and uh, you know, he put the ball out on a couple of switches, a couple of times. And um, look, he still did a great job for us, and his presence is brilliant. But it wasn't his best showing.
0: I uh, I'd agree with that. I think. It, it was strange as well because I, his performance reminded me of someone who's coming back from injury, but Pelini is not coming back from injury. He's coming back from a week suspended, which is a little strange. But I, I do think, and I we didn't talk about this when we were watching the game, but I think Marco has probably given him a message saying you need to be a little bit careful with your yellow cards because I noticed a couple of times he didn't go in for challenges like we've seen him going through most of the season. He made a couple of really good tackles, but there are a few times where there were 50-50s, and I feel like I just saw him pull out very slightly and not go full throttle into the tackle, which is good in a sense because uh, he's not going to get himself booked. But at the same time, I kind of feel like he needed to assert himself a little bit more in the game, and I think because he'd been told to pull back a bit, it probably lost him a little bit of confidence because some of those 50-50s he lost, which he's probably not used to, His passing was a little bit off. I think we can say, you know, we did have that international break and then he missed the game after the international break. Um, So we probably, I think he only played once for Portugal in that first game in the international break. So he effectively had two weeks without a match and then coming into this game. So he might have just been a little bit scratchy. I'm hoping it's just a one-off because we all know how good he is. Um, I don't think we're we're suggesting that Palinha is all of a sudden not a good player. He just wasn't quite there. And in terms of knee skins, I, I 100% agree. He was the brightest spot when he came off against Newcastle. And I think he was probably our most threatening and dangerous player yesterday. Um, when when he gets the ball at his feet, I'm, I'm always excited because he actually tries things and has the confidence that our other wingers so far this season haven't had.
1: I, I think that's a good piece of cunning analysis, actually, in terms of of uh the Polina story there. It probably and, and I'm and I'm okay with that. You know, if we if he ends up getting it somewhere between a little bit tentative and a bit shy of getting a yellow card and his first um seven performances, it's probably about right. We cannot afford to lose him. We we cannot afford to lose him on a regular basis. Just needs to get it right. And maybe it's a it's a Premier League to Portugal um learning
0: curve as well for him.
2: My unpopular opinion is I kind of disagree and I like the Pitbull and I want to see the Pitbull back next week.
0: Uh, I think that's what I'm saying as well. I I was fractionally disappointed that he wasn't going into those tackles a little bit harder, but I think Silva's probably told him to back off a bit because it shows how weak we are when he's not playing. I think we need to get to January and find a good backup for him so that he can play his natural game, which is that Pitbull style. Um so i i think i think marco's been probably a little sensible there and actually pulled him back a fraction because i think if we lose him before the international break which then leads into january sorry if we lose him before the world cup which then leads into the january transfer window he's gone for two games it's it's quite an important time as well uh, i I've, i think there's there's something tactical going on there yeah
1: um,
0: i agree yeah, and and then obviously probably one of the bigger bits of news, the fact that Mitrovic was left out of the squad entirely. Uh, Silva said it was still to do with his foot injury, which apparently is just a bruised foot. There's no ligament damage. There's no bone damage, but he's obviously feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> Elton, do we think he was left out tactically to save him for the upcoming home games that we've got? We've got two very winnable home games in the next two weeks do we think silver said let's kind of not give this one away as such but we don't have a full strength squad where we're playing Decadova, and over reed at right back we you know we're not at full strength so do we maybe give this one away as a bit of a free hit and start vinicius and give mitro another week off
1: i cannot believe that marco silver gives anything away um i look i i think the 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 prime objective is a fit micro and if he's not fit and you you know you play him and then he's out for five, six weeks, that's a season disaster. That could be the difference between, you know, relegation and staying up. Um I, I think it's purely I don't think it was tactical at all. I think it was purely medical on 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 good advice. That if he plays, he's vulnerable to getting a more serious injury, and you have got to rest him. Um, I, I don't think I don't think he was
0: throwing a um, throwing a West Ham fixture at all. Sorry to jump in there, though. But isn't leaving him out? Um, you're talking about a medical decision over a tactical one. Isn't leaving him out to potentially protect him because he he obviously can play because he he started the game and played thirty minutes against Newcastle, and whenever he had the ball at his feet, he looked good. Wouldn't you say then that he medically is fit to play, but Silver's obviously protecting him more, talking about him not getting injured for those further five games? I, I'd say that is a tactical decision to leave him out.
1: Okay, um, I'll rephrase that then. I think it's a medical decision around a fully fit Metro, you know, and, and I think there's a concern about the risk of playing a, a, a not fully fit Metro mm-hmm. and the, the implications of that.
2: I think it's more of a rotation thing, to be honest. I think. Ooh, um I
1: don't agree with that.
2: No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Let me, let me have my point. Um, no, I think it's more of. Um, Vinicius needs minutes because he hasn't had like that many minutes. Mitrovic um, uh, clearly isn't at 100% full fitness. Best opportunity to give him on a game where odds were pretty even as we thought um, before going into it. I think that would be the best chance, actually give Vinicius some time and then Mitro have a rest. That's how I would have done it in FIFA.
1: Um, I I think when you've got a weapon like Mitro, um, you know, guys like Vinicius would simply have to suck it up and go and do meditation or go and get a back massage and get your mind in order and get used to the fact that you're playing second fiddle and keep yourself fit and ready to go. But while Metro's scoring every game, you you, you know you're only going to get a, a go if he's injured or tired. Oh, see, I kind of
2: disagree with that though because I feel like the Premier League's all about rotation and actually trying to have like your best squad for an entire season. So it's more about actually being able to give all your players a decent amount of like minutes and actually nurture that.
0: I I think that's only true if you have a squad to be able to do that. That is also true. if you're if you're a quality a quality squad. If you're a team like Fulham, Mitro plays every game when he can. Hundred percent. So this, I I understand your point on rotation and giving Vinicius minutes, but I don't think we we gave this was a chance to give him minutes. I think if Mitro was fit, he would have played. Um, So he's obviously not fit. I think there's a little bit more to it. I think there is a bit of a tactical decision saying he could play, but let's give him another week and not giving this one away as such, but seeing if Vinicius can do a job and crossing our fingers that we get something out of it. And it, it failed this week, but I think it was not the worst, not the worst idea with the two home games coming up that we've got against Bournemouth and I think Everton the week after as well. So, but look, let's let's crack on and actually talk about the game. Let's talk about the best part of the game, which is the opening few minutes when uh, we saw um, Andreas Pereira score his first goal for Fulham. And, geez, what a goal. And I have a to say goal. a lot of this comes back to the man we were talking about just a second ago, Vinicius, who collected the ball coming out of defence, just waited that half a second and then slipped that ball through to Cabano, who then put a lovely little slide slide rule pass through for Pereira to run onto. You could tell Pereira only had one choice there, which was to shoot. Uh, really poor defending from Kurt Zuma, who stood off for far too long, didn't try and close down the shot at all. Pereira's put it over the top of Fabianski. Um, Elton, I was sitting next to you. Your thoughts on the goal?
1: Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Vinicius because I thought he he was absolutely crucial to that. Um, and it was a, a really beautifully weighted pass and really deliberately played. I thought it was really beautiful. And if if that's what he's got in him, that's pretty exciting. And, and there was a couple of occasions where he did that. Um, I, I felt a bit sorry for Vinicius yesterday. I thought he worked really, really hard. Um, I, I think he didn't press very well when they had the ball. And I'd, I'd love to see more of more of that from him because Mitro, that was one thing Mitro never used to do. And he's changed that in his game completely. And it makes a big difference for us. And he wasn't putting very much pressure on the defenders at all. Um, I, I thought it was a beautiful goal. It surprised me actually. It surprised me how much velocity he actually got onto that on his left foot. I, I didn't see that coming.
2: I'm so glad he got that goal. I feel like it was just it was just a really nice thing when people who aren't Mitrovic in our team score.
0: Because mm. I feel
2: like it just creates sure. confidence. And like I've always known that like he had it in him. It was for me, it was like watching the start of Finding Nemo when all like they're all just happy and then the and then the Barracuda came. And then we we will get to that. But beautiful goal. Beautiful goal.
0: Well, we will get to that. The, I, I have to say, though, the first half hour of the game, I, I think we were totally dominant. We we looked a oh, better yeah. team. West Ham looked very shaky at the back, I thought. Um, Zuma, Creswell, Dawson did not look very sturdy. I was expecting more from the West Ham defence, but the, every time they had the ball at their feet, they, they looked like they really struggled to get it under control really struggled to pass our defence. Suchek, who had a great season a couple of years ago, just didn't look the player that he was back then. He didn't really sort of command the game. Declan Rice wasn't really in the game as much as I expected him to be either. So we we did dominate the game in that opening sort of half hour, but then it all sort of fell to pieces, the, the first of the refereeing decisions for the day. Um, so th- this, this penalty decision, Sam, I'll... I'll hand to you first because you're the more theatrical of us all. Walk us through your thoughts on the penalty. So um, in my brain,
2: I don't get it at all. We were briefly talking about this beforehand, but I don't understand how if you clothesline somebody, then that gives a penalty. I like I understand, I understand that there was some argy bargy. I understand that there was some frustration going on there, but Dawson tried to take Pereira's head off and then he gets a penalty. You were trying to explain to me why that makes sense before this podcast, and I still don't get it, and it's deeply frustrating. And also, as well, like from what we were talking about beforehand, at no point. In the first half, did I see West Ham as an attacking threat? I was actually kind of bored watching them. And if anything, all I was thinking was like, oh, this is probably going to be like a one-all draw because they're giving nothing. And you guys were actually hyping West Ham up a lot more than I was on the last pod. And lit a deep frustration at that and more just confusion. Can you please explain that to me? Because I'm I'm just lost on it. I'm really lost on it.
1: I think, uh, you know, three points to Dawson for totally playing the ref. He managed the situation perfectly. When he hit the ground and the ref gave a penalty, I don't know if you saw the the, the little side view of his face and his, his uh, teammates congratulating him, congratulating him. He knew exactly what he was doing. He played the ref beautifully. He could see the ref was getting really frustrated with the way that our zonal marking was going on and Pereira, he probably got the volume knob wrong there uh everyone got what he was trying to do but he probably should have kept his hands to his side pulling your hands out to the side when you're literally shepherding someone off to block them is a bit naive really but dawson actually runs into him and falls over yeah he's
2: Um, massive he's like six five so Pereira's like no bigger uh, than me
1: uh, so it would have been better if Pereira br- breathed, taken a moment and decided to fall over when Dawson ran into him. Ugh. Okay. Um, but he he played the ref. The ref was getting really riled, really annoyed, and, and Dawson played it perfectly. So that was a little bit naive from us there. Um, you know, technically you can't block someone like that, but it, it, it's – it's ridiculous the stuff that actually does go on in the penalty box on set pieces and corners that, that is, is, is allowed and given away in terms of, you know, the not the spirit of the game but what's acceptable in the box. Most of it's just complete bollocks, to be honest, and it's really inconsistent, and that, I think, is the frustration.
0: Yeah, well, this is what I was talking with Sam about just before we started recording as well, just basically saying, for me, it's... it's It's a tough one. Firstly, kind of dumb by Pereira. I don't want to rip into him too much because I think it's still a little bit of a harsh decision. But dumb by Pereira, he's been warned a couple of times. And they showed the replay five or six times during the game. You see he gets warned, but he's still doing the, the exact same thing to Dawson. He should have just understood that he shouldn't have his arms out, shouldn't make as much body contact with him as he was and being a little bit smarter there. It's a bit of a dumb decision by Dawson. Sorry, not by Dawson. It's a bit of a dumb decision by Pereira. Dawson played that completely. He's run into him and made sure he's tangled up with him somehow and immediately gone down. I don't think – there was definitely body contact from Pereira and he was was contacting him, but Dawson, as soon as he did that, he knew he was going to go down as soon as he made any kind of contact. So I have no doubt Dawson's played for that penalty. My biggest issue is referees are not consistent at the moment. there's There's zero consistency. I reckon if you go back and look at every corner we have had this year, someone is pulling Mitro's shirt, someone is pushing him, someone is holding on to him, someone's blocking him. Uh, and same with pretty much all of our players from corners, the amount of stuff I was going to say, bad word there, the amount of stuff that goes on in the penalty area at corners is ridiculous. If referees blew up every time there was an infringement like that in the box, I have zero issue with it. But we've been penalised there for a little bit of push and shove, which happens every single week at every single corner, and I don't understand why they've decided to pick on us this week when they don't pick it out in every other game for either team. I, I fully get that you know, Pereira was being stupid there, but have some consistency and blow it up every time someone gets their shirt pulled in a corner. That's fine if you want to do that. I started getting confused at this point and then it never got better.
1: I I think Mitro needs to take Pereira aside because he's a master at this. Mitro just stands there, keeps his hands to his side, pushes his chest out and lets a guy run into him. And if there's actually a whistle that goes up, Mitro's like this, yeah, you that's know, a great he's, myth. He's he's always got his neck. He loses his neck inside his shoulders. And what? Who? Me? What? For the, what, for the people what? What are you talking about?
2: For, for the people who can't see this, Elton just did an amazing Charlie Chaplin impersonation.
1: Yeah, yeah. But he, he does it well. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of very melodramatic and all very predictable, but at least he doesn't put his arms out. Pereira had like wild eyes, literally like a little sumo wrestler jumping at Dawson as he was coming towards. It was a bit too obvious, you know? As Jack said, we, we don't need to go on any further, but as Jack said, he got played there. Pereira, nil, Dawson,
0: one. Yeah, it was it was dumb, but also harsh, I think. So it's it's really tough to get too disappointed about that because he did get warned. But again, I just wish there was a bit of consistency with the refereeing decisions. And that, to me, is is a poor decision from the referee because if you're going to do that, then you have to pull up every single one when there's pushing and shoving. Um and And we saw later in the game the referee was, "I don't know people saying on Twitter that there's corruption and stuff. there's obviously not corruption, but I didn't understand how he let some things go. There was one point later in the game where Dawson injured himself just before half time by axing Pereira and having him fly off the ball, making so much body contact. And I go. In the penalty area, how does he run into him and instantly go down when you see that happen in the middle of the pitch? And why is it not given a foul there when there's obvious contact like that? But in the penalty area, it does get given a foul, which is completely the opposite way around from how it normally is. Anyway, I'm getting annoyed by it. So I don't want to talk about it too much more.
2: I literally almost feel like we need to talk about the next goal now because I need to like work off this steam. I need to we're work moving off this on. Steam. We're moving on.
0: So anyway, going to half time. One all. I didn't think we played badly. In fact, I think we played a really good first half. I think across the board, there were no real mistakes apart from that Pereira one. Dan James had a really good shot early in the game that hit the bar. Mm, true, actually. Uh, it's it's a real shame that he he wasn't able to to convert that. And we also saw Bert Leno make a couple of really good saves from close range against Skamaka, who somehow didn't manage to score. I, I think I don't know if you guys saw the XG at halftime. Um, uh, or if you follow the XG, but West Ham had an XG of 2.3 or something at halftime. And at that no was...
2: point, at no point watching the first half did I think, wow, I'm very stressed at West Ham going forward. Like, they look really poor, really poor. Like, no, I even said it like last week, like, no aggression, no like real kind of like oomps in what they do.
1: I, I would say they look... really poor no but they looked terrible on the ball and they looked
0: really really disorganizing defense awful yeah. the, the defense was poor i think going forward they had they had some threat four nails was looking really good bowen didn't look as good i think four nails on the left was looking quite dangerous and piquetta showed little sparks skamaka was getting in good areas and and you know he had quite a few shots on goal and like i said the xg was up at two and a half i think for a penalty your xg is something like 0.8 or 0.9 so they it showed they should they should have scored at least one other goal on top of that and Skomaka threw away a few real golden chances and Leno made some great saves but second half again we started really well I thought but the sixty second minute uh, Paqueta flicks a ball over the top for Skomaka who looked slightly offside Skomaka lifts the ball over burnt Leno doesn't celebrate whatsoever. I instantly thought it was because of offside, and then we saw the replays. Elton, what did you see on the replay? Well,
1: the first thing I saw on the replay was a striker hanging his head immediately after the ball hit the net. That's a telltale sign. You know, he'd be running to the corner flag and doing his little celebration, and uh, and that did not happen. And I, and I don't think because he's shy or has a has a confidence problem it's that he he knew there were. I don't think he was worrying about whether he was offside or not. He he wouldn't have had a view of Bobby, but he he clearly knew he he managed the ball and controlled the ball ever so slightly. But a couple of times, you know, one with his one with his hand, you can see it. I, I couldn't understand why when the ball came towards his hand initially and then falls vertically downwards, why that's not instantly judged as as some kind of interference. And then it obviously something happens with his elbow. Um but you know, it, it felt to me like it was very obvious what I was seeing on VAR, and they just didn't seem to have the guts to pull the trigger on something that looked so off. So off.
2: I've been up since about 6.30 this morning, and the rage that this gives me is equivalent to a bump of coke. Like, I was so angry. You know what? I can excuse a potential offside. That's hard to judge. I can excuse a lot of things, but what I can't excuse is he knew what he did. He knew what he did. And like, as you said, he hung his head because he knew... That he bumped that ball with his arm, and as we all know, if you are, uh, if your arm has any kind of, um, if your arm contributes to essentially controlling the bowl that leads to a goal, that is a handball. That is a handball, hands down. And he knew, and I was furious. I was so angry, man. I was, I was steaming because again. It was like he kicked it. I heard it. I heard even like um, the commentator say it. He kicked it. Like he literally didn't even think that the ball was in play anymore. And then he just got a goal as a result of it.
1: It was was so nonchalant. It was so lackadaisical. It it, it actually screamed volumes. But but hold on, Sam. I, I don't think we can get into the should a player actually put his hand up and say, no, 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 ref, that goal doesn't stand because I touched the ball. It's up to the referee. And the VAR system at Premier League level, to judge whether it's a fair goal or whether fouls being committed, so hey look, his, his body language says everything, and he's got to sleep at night, and he's got, to, you know he, he's got to um, buy beers in, the, in, in at the bar afterwards for a goal he didn't score. But
2: I mean, then you know, how can you
1: celebrate the way that he
2: did? Because he celebrated, like he literally just ran off with Jessica Alba. Like, literally,
1: it's ridiculous. I was furious. I'm so angry. But but what do you do? You know, you got to, if you start the game, you got to finish it, you know. And if he, if the goal's given and he doesn't celebrate it, it's, he's even more guilty.
2: Oh, it just, I, I like that in combination with the commentary just really made me underscore why West Ham is a detestable club. I actually quite like some of the players individually from West Ham. I like them. I actually individually, I actually think they're pretty top notch. But as a club and the aura that that club has, especially when you're playing them at home, so
0: infuriating. The, the celebration, the celebration after the VAR gave him the goal, did annoy me watching him run off to the crowd because he was surprised that he got given that. The, the, oh, I mean, where do you even start with VR on this one? For me, the ball comes over the top, it hits his hand, which is by his side at first, and goes down. Then it bounces up and hits him on the elbow, forearm slash elbow. So two handballs there that both got not given. The, the reasoning that I, I've seen is that there was no conclusive evidence. Oh. I I think that's a bit of a... Bit of a cop out, bit of a piss take, really. It's a massive cop out. It's a massive cop out. As Marco Silva said, he spoke with the referee post game and during the game. Silva's comment was, "The referee looked embarrassed when he saw the decision on the big screen when he saw the goal given." I just, I don't know why VAR didn't take into account the reaction of a striker who handballs or, or, or scores a goal and then doesn't celebrate whatsoever and is looking around as if something bad has happened. He didn't think it was offside. Uh, both Tim Ream and Leno are both standing there, hitting their hands saying that's been a handball. I, I just don't get why we, we. I don't get why the decision went against us there. It's 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 infuriating, as you say. Um, I, I think VAR has, that it has to answer for something there because, we need a statement to come out from the Premier League, effectively explaining why that wasn't given. Because to say that was inconclusive is, I is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. My blood
1: pressure is so high right now.
0: So, well, in in uh, to 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 keep you safe, Sam, and to to keep your health uh, as good as possible, let's move on to the next handball, uh, <laughs> the the last goal of the game. So, I, I mean. I think the penalty knocked quite a lot of wind out of us in the first place. Um, we went into half time, we came out, you know, not looking quite as good as we did in the first half. I think we still looked okay. No one really played badly, as I was saying to Sam before, but um, we definitely looked like we'd, we'd had that edge taken off us. And then that goal goes in and you could just see we were having some issues. Pereira wasn't leaving the referee alone. Vinicius got a yellow card for complaining with the referee. Marco Silva gets a yellow card for complaining. A few heads are dropped. We just sort of lost lost our way a little bit. And I think it's it's totally understandable when a decision like that happens. But we need a little bit more maturity to actually get through that period and, and sort of pick ourselves up and get ourselves back on track there because just because a decision goes against you, you can't just give up basically and, and let the game slide because of that. And I think we did let the game slide. And we saw Tom Kearney come on about 10 minutes after the goal came in. Um, and then five, six minutes after that, we also had, uh, who was it? We had uh, Harry Wilson come back on, which was great to see. Yeah, and Josh Onema as well coming on. Um, we saw, who was it? Harrison Reed, Andreas Pereira and Dan James all go off in that little period. Uh, Dad, how do you think we, how, how do you think the subs affected the game there?
1: I thought Kenny was good. Um, you know, I don't think he had a huge impact on the game, but I thought he was good. I, I thought, um, um, not that this is a subs conversation, but I, one, one guy we haven't really mentioned is Harrison Reed. I thought he worked incredibly hard, but it just didn't really all come off for him. Mm. Um, I, I I didn't enjoy onomer's cameo. I thought he looked like a very much like a championship player. Um and yeah, I didn't I didn't enjoy that. Um Harry Wilson looked like you'd expect him to look. Um he he, he didn't he didn't look he, he looked a fraction of his best.
0: Yeah. I, I get the I get the idea of Josh onomer He kind of acts a bit like a battering ram, a bit like a more attacking version of Palinja. But you just saw a couple of times he has – he doesn't have that quality. We saw he just one touch when, you know, when he was dribbling forward, yeah, yeah, just I knocked the ball it. too far away from himself and lost, lost possession for us. I, I think he showed a few glimpses where I sort of thought, I kind of get this because he comes on and, and does – get busy and he's around the ball and he's big and strong and he's actually quite good with his feet most of the time but just it didn't work for me this time round. I, I think he's a good championship player um but he he probably needs a full game as a Premier League player rather than coming on as a sub I, I don't think his impact was as good I'd, I'd prefer to see him come on uh in into I would have rather see him come on than Chalaba uh in the Newcastle game but that's Totally different story. Sam, your, your thoughts on those those three substitutions?
2: Uh, I would have kept Pereira on. I don't really know why we took him off. I feel like he was probably our best attacking threat for the large majority of the game. Also, his pressing is arguably one of the best, if not the best, yesterday. Um, I just feel that sometimes when, like, particularly when TC comes on, it doesn't, like, Attacking wise, it really slows us down. He's good, he's got like some good um touches and he sets up some good passes. I'm largely pretty critical of the guy, to be honest. Like I feel like he really he um in in that sort of a game, what we really needed to do was go at them because we needed to score more and God bless Vinicius, but I don't think he was ever gonna come up with the result. And I do feel that like the subs that we made didn't um really didn't play into what we should have been doing obviously aside from starting shane duffy up front because that's that's what you're supposed to do of course
1: it feels like wilson has a fair bit to do before he's going to be back to his best uh he, i mean he looks scratchy um and it's the difference between running around on the park and training and playing at a premier league football level you know so you know i i can't wait for him to be back and really dangerous uh he didn't look amazing but it's no more or less than you could have expected duffy pff, i i don't mind the idea of it but we just never ever got the ball to him
0: yeah I, wilson definitely looked like a man coming back from injury he he looked scratchy he didn't really get himself around the game as much as we would have liked i i i liked Canny's performance. I think he controls the midfield really well when he comes on. Uh, I agree. I would have liked to see Pereira play with Canny, because I think Canny would probably find that pass to Pereira a few more times. And Pereira is quite skillful around the box. So it could have been something. And Kenny did almost score as well. He he had that really good shot, which was good off the line by Creswell. Um I, I look, I think if you have a look at the subs we had on offer, um, you're not going to bring on Diop at that point in the game. You're not going to bring on Mbabu. Um, we'll talk about the fact that Duffy came on in the 89th minute as well uh, to basically play up front. I personally was quite disappointed not to see Luke Harris or Marshall Godot come on. Um, I think that was an opportunity. I I don't know why when you're putting someone on up front, you wouldn't pick your two strikers. And I guess you can look at it and go, well, why didn't Mbabu play? Why did Bobby over reed play? And, and maybe Silva gets it more right than we do and understands how we should be playing more often but we put Duffy on up front we had the ball I don't think we put a ball into the box anywhere near him for the six minutes that he was on the field and we had the ball quite often we didn't launch the ball forward at all so it doesn't really make sense to me I would rather have seen one of those young guys come on and just say to them look just just run for your life try and impress us do whatever you can get around the ball this is Luke Harris who's got himself a an international call-up and we're putting a 36 year old in shane duffy on up front in a defender i, I didn't yeah, it weird uh, i i guess the, the whole of, game of desperation i think the whole game had frustrated me and that was another little weird frustration point which was brought on by marco silver which i wasn't expecting to be frustrated by in the game sure. um and sammy as you said i just don't get it and it felt like one of those games where i just don't get it, and talking of not getting things, the final goal, which at the time, you know, the game was basically over. But went in with a slightly risky tackle, I think, and I think if he got that a little bit wrong, which he almost did, that could have easily been a red card, which would have been an absolute nightmare for us because that would have been three games missed for Pelinha after coming back after just one. He makes a challenge on Mikel Artonio, who manages to get the ball, Takes it to Leno. Leno makes a really good save, although it was a pretty simple save because he basically hits it straight at him. Then there's a little bit of a mix-up. Tim Ream basically runs in. Ball gets stuck under his feet, which then gets stuck under Leno's feet. Ball falls out to Antonio, who just has to slide it into an open net. The game was pretty much lost at that point anyway. Um, But what we didn't see and what I was alerted to after the game by Elton sending me a, a tweet was the fact that Mikel Antonio quite obviously handles the ball in the lead-up to the goal. Now, I saw quite a few responses to tweets from West Ham fans saying that the only reason he handled the ball there was because Pallina had fouled him. Um, Pallinia does come in quite hard on him, uh, and but they're saying the only reason he handled it was because his body got pushed and his hand goes to the ball which i just don't understand sorry are you it's trying clear... to tell me
2: are you trying to tell me that west ham fans are saying that that's an advantage
0: they're saying that if it if the referee had of stopped to the game there for handball then he would have had to Stop the game to send Polina off because Polina was the last man and made a bad tackle that forced the handball. It's very convoluted and very West Ham. It makes Um, no sense. That's a long bow. It is a long long bow. bow. But uh, again, and it's going back to the whole consistency, why wasn't that checked by VAR? Why are they not looking at that in the lead-up to the goal? The ball obviously hits around his torso area in the lead-up. Why are they not looking at it? And instantly after the game, it's pulled up by analysts who all go, he's handled the ball here. Why is that not getting checked by VAR? How can they spend six minutes checking a goal that is an obvious handball from Skamaka and then they don't take two seconds to look at a goal that effectively kills the game off? There were still six minutes of, or oh, five minutes of injury time left when Antonio scores that goal. You can't tell me that there was no chance of Fulham getting back in the game with five minutes left. Uh, it it's just another infuriating moment in the game where I don't understand why VAR hasn't made this decision. Sammy, uh, I I mean we you as well didn't see it during the game I know, um, but afterwards what are your thoughts on on this quite obvious missed decision?
2: My thoughts are I had to actually look up what the phrase was in volleyball when you set up is the phrase, set the ball. I had to physically like look that up because that's exactly what he did. He essentially assisted it to himself by setting it up to himself.
0: Two arms together and it comes off his forearm, answers out perfectly in front of him. And then leads to a goal. So I just don't understand it's why it's ridiculous, not checked.
2: Ridiculous. I, I, look, I actually like Antonio. I was, that was one of the only goals where, it, like, from what I saw, I was like, Antonio's is a good player. I, I can see him doing that. He's he's a pretty good attacking threat, and he's proven that for West Ham over the last couple of years. But it's ridiculous. It's, it's so infuriating. It's just one of those games where, like, I've just, like, the more that I think about it, the more that I literally just get closer to having a stroke. So I'm just... I I just I just I've just put it to bed, yeah. Like literally in my brain, that was a one-all draw because two of those goals didn't count. And I hate West Ham. I no no I don't hate West Ham. I hate their supporters, and I hate Tony Gale. And I just that game just filled me with hate. And then I went to sleep, and I yeah,
0: I just uh, it's just ridiculous. Isn't it? Elton, I'll throw it to you. I don't I don't know.
1: I don't see how the um uh, the fa come out of this without feeling like they've got a case to answer seriously it, you know there are always questionable decisions forget that they seem to have got they seem to have got var for offside working really well now uh, it, it, and, and again i mean it's, it's pretty good i mean it's, look it's, there are still some issues but you can draw a technical line, and and we can. It's a bit like tennis, you know. You can argue whether one millimeter out should be should be forgiven, but it's black and white. And as long as it's applied consistency, no one's got a problem, right? But when they're making subjective bad decisions, or not even looking at the the you know the run up to uh, a goal, because they're apparently just don't think they have to it reflects really badly yeah you're and, right.
2: it's the don't and, think that they have to part that really irks me
1: because if, it, if it was a goal against man city would they be checking that antonio incident
2: probably probably because a man city should be flawless
0: i i don't i don't think so i, I think they just haven't got it right and the it it completely depends on the referee as well i mean there's There's a VAR assistant who's sitting in a room looking at everything. The VAR assistant has just said, I didn't potentially see anything wrong in that build-up, and he's missed one. But the Mm. problem is VAR is there so that you don't miss them. And the VAR, the referees missed it, first of all. The linesman, who's the referee's assistant, has also missed it. Then you go, okay, well, great, we've got VAR. He's going to check it and get it. He doesn't check VAR. And we we, lo- we lose a goal and effectively lose a game at that point, which was already lost anyway because of VAR. But I don't want to completely blame VAR for our loss here, um, but we played well throughout the game. We I can't say for sure we were the better team, but we played well and I think we deserved to get something from the game based on the way we played. But we've been done by a weird refereeing decision, giving a penalty for some pushing and shoving at a corner. And we've been done by two very controversial VAR decisions. I would like to see, I know you, you're saying you want some action. There's no action. I'd like to see at least a Premier League come forward and say, we made a mistake here. The, the Both of these goals should have been given for handball and we made a mistake. I, I could at least then put this to bed and sort of say, okay, we've, we've been hard done by but in terms of the performance we put in we can't be too disappointed
1: you know i I think we actually on, on on when i i reflect on this i think we need to stop calling it a var error it's actually a refereeing error the referees had var as a tool to make a decision i did not blame the the ref I don't blame the linesman. There's a lot going on there. Although I think he had. No, a it's, it's the VAR assistant it, who
0: made the mistakes yeah. in this game. He's the VAR got, he's got assistant. The, yeah, he has the screens in front of him. He looked at the Skomacka goal and said there was no handball, and then he didn't look at the Antonio goal for no reason.
1: So it's a refereeing error. It's Correct. VAR. He happens but to. it's have, the VAR uh, assistant
0: refereeing yeah.
2: error. Yeah. I've got one point actually this is probably the closest thing to journalistic integrity that I can actually do but in the Bundesliga because they've had VAR for as long as um, the Premier League has and for some strange reason the Premier League has always been really weird when it comes to VAR whereas in the Bundesliga they try not to essentially kind of like slow the game down if something is obvious they check it, but they don't go for pinpoint accuracy. They go for essentially kind of like making sure that it's all done in good jests and then obvious fouls or you know, like obvious offsides are judged accordingly. And then they would use it. But it's actually, it's not as um, uh, stringent as the Premier League is. And because the Premier League has established this intensely stringent way of doing things, you have to judge everything by that. Because if you're not doing that, then I don't know what you're doing. You're just uh, you're just you're just going down to referee bias. Then
0: I'm not even sure that's that's fully true. I think we have to also look at it and go. Yes, with the offsides, it's it's done by uh, it's done by maths effectively. They draw mm. a line and they work out was the player over that line or not over that line. That's fine. The offsides I, I can understand. It's the fact that you know handball is effectively subjective. Oh yeah. And the referees watching these are making decisions, subjective decisions, and they're getting them wrong. Yeah. Um, and we saw two well, we saw one decision that was wrong, and then another another decision that just wasn't checked. And that's that's where the frustration comes in. And that's why I don't really want to talk about it anymore because VAR, we've lost one to VAR here, and I think we hope that throughout the rest of the season it evens out. West Ham fans who I spoke with afterwards were sort of saying, you know. We've had a couple of VAR decisions go against us, so this was the leveller. Uh, it's just disappointing that that happens through a season. But, you know, if there was no VAR anyway, that Skamaka goal probably gets gets given, and the Antonio goal probably gets given too. So, mm. yeah, I mean, you look at it both ways, but it's, it's frustrating, and I can see in all of our faces at the moment we're disappointed. Let, let's move away from talking about West Ham and each of us just try and take some positives from this game and talk about what we did well. Pereira had a lovely goal. <laughs> That's all you've got, Sammy. Fair enough. All I've got.
1: Uh, so po- positives for me are, uh, you know, great to see Anthony Robinson back. He looks sharp. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, he actually he came back really well from injury, so he's he's been really well prepared. Great to see Harry Wilson back. He didn't look sharp, but great to see him back, and I'm sure he'll get there. Um, yeah, a w- wonderful performance for, for from Pereira to score that goal. I, I actually think he was dragged for disciplinary concerns. I thought, I think uh, yeah. Silver probably thought he was going to boil over because he couldn't contain himself. He was gobbing off for the referee for the whole day, and I think he was that close. And I think Pereira just, sorry, Silva just thought. There's no way I'm gonna let this team go down to ten men again. Yeah. And and get routed. So, he did go I'm in sure. for a
0: couple of little challenges there where he could have got a bit niggly a few times. And I just thought, oh, you're on a yellow card, mate. Just be a little bit careful. And I think you're right. It was a tactical decision going Pereira's kind of lost, lost the plot a little bit here. Let's let's pull him off and save him for the next game. Yeah, so,
1: that's true. Actually, what, one, one other good thing you're going to love this, Sam. One other really uh, bright light for me is I thought Tosin had a great game.
2: I thought he had a really good game. Actually, he did some really good going forward play. I re- I, I very much appreciated that. Yeah, and I appreciate the comment, it. the
1: comment, or the fact that he played
2: well. Both, both, <laughs> both, both fill me with joy.
0: He was good defensively as well. There are a couple of crosses came in where he got a really. He was in a good position. Got a really solid head to the ball as well. I think you're right. Tosin had a really good game for me. And I think you know, Diop obviously for, for all of us, I think we we had Diop coming into the team. Um, even if Robinson had returned to the lineup, which he did. Uh, and I was I wasn't a surprise to see him not named, but I think Tosin, who was my pick to be dropped, uh, actually looked the better of the two defenders and Reem again yeah. had a good game. So Again, I can't see how Diop really gets himself into the team at the moment with two centre-backs doing well, but we are still leaking goals. That was another three goals leaked. Uh, I don't know what that is for the season now, but we're probably pushing uh, 11 plus 7 in the last two games, but might have conceded 18 goals by now. Um, it's Is it worrying? It, it is a little bit worrying. I know we're trying to talk about positives here, and I've just brought that up, but, yeah, we have conceded 18 goals in nine games, which is two goals a game. You can't survive conceding two goals a game because it means you have to score three to win. I Mm. think it's mainly worrying, though, if you're
1: fighting for relegation, right?
0: Which we we are. We're always fighting for relegation.
1: Yeah, okay. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, um, the the, one other positive thing, I think, is that, look, Vinicius didn't really come off, but he got minutes. He got a lot of time. He did a couple of good things. He was definitely a big part of that first goal, that only goal. Um, You know, he, he... it seems like he wasn't always in the right position, and when you compare him to Metro, Metro just does such a much better job. But I I didn't mind what he was trying, and I'm glad he got an outing.
0: He definitely had a few little sparks and a few moments where I went, oh, yeah, this, this guy actually looks decent. His passing was really good. Yeah. Um, but you're right, his, his positioning wasn't quite right. And I think the style of play we have, uh, which is obviously sort of fits around Mitro, doesn't quite fit around Vinicius. And so I think we, the whole team actually needs to adapt around Vinicius there because I think it's too hard for Vinicius to become Mitro because no one can just become Mitro. It's a, it's a very particular style of play. So uh, there, there are definitely some positives to take from the game. Like I said, I don't think we played badly. Across the board, I can't look at one player and say you had a bad game. Um so it's it's a it's a tough decision to a tough decision tough result to take for me because I don't think we played badly and we've lost three one to a team who I don't think played very well. So look, guys, I don't know if you've got any further comments there, but for me, I'm pretty much done talking about this game. Um, yeah, agree. I think very much time to put this one to bed, put it behind us. It's been a couple of weeks like that after the Newcastle flogging conceding seven goals in the last two games is is not the best feeling at the moment. So look, let's let's look forward to the game coming up this weekend. I mean, we're both sitting mid-table at the moment, but for me, this Bournemouth game actually feels like a six-pointer. They're, they're a team we're expecting will fall down the table as the season goes on and are definitely going to be sitting around about where we're sitting at the moment. They had a really good result against Leicester who are still struggling badly, beating them 2-1 on the weekend, but... Uh, look, I, I think we've got the strength to beat them. I'm hoping we see Wilson maybe even start the game on the weekend. Um, we're hoping Tete gets fit during the week as well, and we can start to see that Fulham lineup that we know and love uh, come back to life. Get Mitro back up front, and we're looking at having a really strong lineup. And I, I, I like the idea that maybe Marco Silva has that in the back of his mind and is thinking about that Bournemouth game as a must-win game for us, and potentially resting players like Tete and like Mitro for that game. So, like I said, we'll be previewing this game uh, over the coming days, hopefully getting released uh, probably on the Thursday or the Friday. Well, probably on the Friday morning, I'd say. Um, Until then, thank you very much to everyone for listening. Uh, We've had some really great feedback from people who are listening to the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast like all our social pages we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram really great engaging with people we've had some really good comments coming in from people some really nice messages as well uh people listening over in the us in the uk through europe we had our first puerto rican listener hey if you're out there please get in touch because i'd love to know who's sitting in puerto rico listening to an australian film podcast puerto rico uh But look, we're we're really enjoying it. And uh, it's a shame that, yeah, please do keep the questions coming in as well because it was was really enjoyable being able to answer some of those questions uh, last week. So look, until next time, guys, Sammy, thank you very much for your time tonight. I know it's late over in Melbourne again.
2: That's cool. I'm angry, but
0: I still like talking about Fulham. Send through weird questions. I want to answer them. Make sure you take a few deep breaths during the week, and hopefully on Thursday you're ready to go again. <sighs> and Elton, thank you for your time tonight.
1: Yep, yeah, thank you. I'm glad we're done with that. I
0: need to move on. I agree. Let's all move on with our lives, take some deep breaths, <gasps> mm-hmm. say some numbest days, and uh, get a good night's sleep, and move forward from these horrible past few weeks. So, guys, until next time, come on, you whites.